Hi, I'm Sid from New Jersey, and I think you should make an episode about the decorated American fighter pilot, uh, Richard Bong, who shot down over 40 Japanese planes during World War II. Um, yeah. Swedish Americans are not a particularly large ethnic group. Swedish Americans are only the 10th largest European ethnic group in the U.S. Geographically, they are concentrated heavily in the Midwest and to a lesser extent in New England. Minnesota has the highest percentage of Swedish Americans, with just under 10% of the state's population, followed by North Dakota, Nebraska, Utah, and South Dakota. Swedish colonization of America began in 1638, when the colony of New Sweden was established in the Delaware Valley of the Mid-Atlantic. Many Swedish settlers moved to the region, but Swedish settlement ceased in 1655 when New Sweden was annexed by the Dutch colony of New Netherland, and later incorporated into the British Empire. When the U.S. gained independence from Britain, a relatively small number of skilled Swedish industrial workers moved to New England. Swedish immigration to America peaked in 1896, when the Vasa Order of America was established to assist Swedes in moving to the Midwestern U.S. By 1900, Chicago had become the city with the second most Swedes in the world, after Stockholm, Sweden. As opposed to many other immigrant groups of the era, Swedish Americans were known for being very well-educated and literate. However, many still faced discrimination for practicing different customs and speaking a different language than most other Americans. As a result, many Swedes quickly assimilated into American culture, and by 1930, Swedish culture was almost completely non-existent in the U.S. In spite of this, many Swedish communities with their own cultures still exist in the U.S., primarily in Minnesota. Many prominent Swedish Americans have since become very famous. These include Nordstrom Department Store founder John Wilhelm Nordstrom, Supreme Court Chief Justice William Rehnquist, astronaut Buzz Aldrin, First Lady Mamie Eisenhower, aviation pioneer Charles Lindbergh, professional golfer Phil Mickelson, and actors Mark and Donnie Wahlberg. In today's warfare, military aircraft are extremely common, but long before the days of UAVs and air-to-air -air missiles, this was not the case. Military aviation began as early as 1794, when hot air balloons were used to monitor troop movements during the French Revolutionary Wars. Lighter-than-air balloons remained the sole form of military aviation for over a century. In 1909, the U.S. Army Signal Corps purchased and tested a Wright Model A, marking the first time a heavier-than-air aircraft was used by the military. Planes were first used in warfare in 1911 during the Italo-Turkish War, when Italian troops performed aerial reconnaissance missions in Tripolitania. The use of military aircraft really took off, no pun intended, during World War I. Planes were used for reconnaissance, bombing, and anti-submarine and artillery patrols. During World War I, the emergence of fighter pilots occurred. Fighter pilots are elite pilots trained in air-to-air -air combat, and if a fighter pilot shoots down at least five enemy aircraft, they become known as a flying ace. 
In World War I, the term flying ace became nearly synonymous with Manfred von Richthofen, a German fighter pilot known as the Red Baron. Richthofen was credited with 80 victories in air combat, making him one of the most prolific flying aces of the war. Richthofen was killed in a dogfight over France in 1918 in one of the most notable deaths of the war. Fighter pilots continued to be used after World War I, and even in a smaller capacity to this day. In World War II, fighter pilots were still a very common sight. In the U.S., the most prolific flying ace of the war became a national hero for his combat skills. He also remains a prominent cultural icon among Swedish Americans. I'm going to tell you all about him right now on Historia Obscura. Welcome to Historia Obscura. This is the 32nd episode of this podcast, and I can't wait to talk about this topic. Special thank you to Sid from New Jersey for suggesting this episode. Special thank you as well to Patreon subscriber Sodak Zach. If you want to receive a shout-out in every episode, among other benefits, help support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash historiaobscura and becoming a patron. One more thing, make sure to stick around for a little to hear a message about the sponsor of this episode of Historia Obscura, Anchor. If you want to make your own podcast, you'll want to know everything about how to use Anchor. Richard Ira Baum was born on September 24, 1920 in Superior, Wisconsin. His father, Carl Baum, was a Swedish immigrant and farmer, while his mother, Dora Bryce, was an American of Scots-Irish descent. From a young age, Baum was obsessed with aviation, as planes frequently flew over his hometown to deliver mail to President Calvin Coolidge's summer home. In high school, Bong excelled at athletics, playing baseball, basketball, and hockey. This was also around the time that he adopted his notable nickname, Dick Bong. After graduating high school in 1938, Bong enrolled at the University of Wisconsin-Superior. While in college, Bong also began taking flying lessons, and in May of 1941, Bong enlisted in the U.S. Army Air Corps. In his Air Corps flight training, one of his instructors was Air Force Major General and future Arizona Senator Barry Goldwater. Less than seven months after Bong enlisted, on December 7, 1941, the Imperial Japanese Air Services bombed the U.S. naval base in Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, killing 2,403 American servicemen and civilians. The next day, Congress authorized a declaration of war against Japan, and the United States entered World War II. Despite his enlistment in the Army Air Corps, Dick Bong was deferred from deployment to the Pacific so that he could continue to study in college. However, he continued to take flying lessons while in college. 
After graduating in 1942, Bong moved to Northern California to train as a fighter pilot. After earning his fighter pilot wings, he was commissioned as a second lieutenant. In January of 1942, Bong was stationed at Luke Air Force Base in Maricopa County, Arizona. In May of that year, he was moved to Hamilton Field in Marin County, California. A month later, Bong celebrated a fellow pilot's recent marriage by flying very low over the pilot's house in San Anselmo, California. In the same flight, he flew under the Golden Gate Bridge, flew at a low level down Market Street in San Francisco, and even blew clothes off of a clothesline in Oakland. For his actions, Bong was reprimanded by General George Kenney, although the general would later admit that he was impressed by Bong's flight skills. In September of 1942, Bong was stationed in Darwin, Australia. In November, he was reassigned to the 35th Fighter Group and deployed to Port Moresby, New Guinea. Later that month, the Battle of Bunagona began. On December 27, 1942, Bong recorded his first aerial victory, shooting down a Mitsubishi A6M0 and a Nakajima Ki-43 Oscar. He was awarded the Silver Star Medal for his valor. A month later, on January 22, 1943, the Battle of Bunagona ended in an Allied victory. The death toll for the battle included almost 2,000 Allied soldiers and over 7,000 Japanese soldiers. Following the Battle of Bunagona, the 35th Fighter Division was moved to Schwimmer Airfield near Port Moresby. In April of 1943, Dick Bong was promoted to First Lieutenant. That same month, the Salamaua Lai Campaign, in which American and Australian forces invaded various cities in Japanese-controlled New Guinea, began. On July 26, 1943, during the campaign, Bong shot down four Japanese fighter planes over the city of Lai in one day. As a result of his heroism, Bong earned the Distinguished Service Cross, and he caught the attention of many of his fellow fighter pilots. One particular pilot who became very familiar with Bong was Thomas McGuire, a native of Ridgewood, New Jersey. Bong and McGuire quickly became close friends, and their mutual success as fighter pilots led to a sense of one-upmanship. The two pilots began battling for the title of America's most prolific World War II fighter pilot. The funniest part is that Bong actually considered his shooting inaccurate, and so to compensate, he had to get really close to Japanese planes to successfully shoot them down. In one instance, he actually disabled a Japanese plane by colliding with it. In August of 1943, near the end of the Allied victory in the Battle of Salamaua Lai, Bong was promoted to the rank of captain. In November of that year, he returned to Wisconsin on temporary leave, where he met and began dating Marjorie Vattendahl. In January of 1944, Bong returned to the Pacific, where he named his P-38 Lightning fighter Marge after his new girlfriend. On April 12th, Bong shot down two Japanese planes, bringing his total victory count to 27. 
With this, he surpassed World War I fighter pilot Eddie Rickenbacker to become, at the time, the most successful American fighter pilot. In October of 1944, under the leadership of General Douglas MacArthur, the U.S. began the Philippines Campaign. This campaign, which lasted until the end of the war, was an allied attempt to retake the Philippine Islands, which had been invaded by Japan in 1942. Since General MacArthur knew about his success as a fighter pilot, Dick Bong was assigned to the V Fighter Command, an elite unit that conducted covert reconnaissance and flights over the Philippine Islands. Although his role was supposed to be one outside of combat, Dick Bong still frequently engaged in dogfights with Japanese pilots. The Philippines campaign was perhaps the most successful stretch of Bong's military aviation career, and on December 17, 1944, Bong shot down his final Japanese plane, bringing his victory total to 40. Soon afterwards, Bong was awarded the Medal of Honor by General MacArthur and promoted to the rank of Major. However, tragedy soon struck. On January 7th, Bong's close friend and competitor, the aforementioned Thomas McGuire, engaged in a dangerous dogfight over Negros Island in the Philippines. McGuire, who was reportedly desperate to surpass Bong's kill count, performed a dangerous maneuver in an attempt to down a Japanese plane. McGuire's plane stalled, snap-rolled, and eventually crashed into the ground, killing McGuire on impact. He was 24 years old. Partially as a result of survivor's guilt, Bong requested a discharge from the military, which was granted. In January of 1945, Bong returned to Wisconsin for good. A month later, he married his fiancée Marjorie. The couple moved to Burbank, California, where Bong became a test pilot. On August 6, 1945, Bong was taking off in a P-80 Shooting Star jet fighter when the plane's fuel pump malfunctioned. After Bong failed to switch to the auxiliary fuel pump, he bailed out of the plane. Bong attempted to release his parachute, but he was too low for it to be deployed. Bong fell to his death over a field in North Hollywood, California. He was 24 years old. On any other day, the death of America's most decorated fighter pilot would have certainly been national news. However, Dick Bong's death was overshadowed by another important event that occurred on August 6, 1945, the atomic bombing of Hiroshima, Japan. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Historia Obscura. Thanks again to Sid from New Jersey for suggesting this episode. If you want to suggest an episode of Historia Obscura, send me a voice message at anchor.fm slash historiaobscura slash message. Feel free to leave your name and location, and if I like your idea, I'll make an episode of it and give you credit. Additionally, if you want to support this podcast, go to patreon.com slash historiaobscura and become a patron. And of course, I can't go without once again thanking this episode's sponsor, Anchor. 
They are by far the easiest way to make a podcast, so if you want to make your own, go to anchor.fm. With that said, this is Jack from Historia Obscura, signing off, but not for long.